She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. There's something that happens when you have, when you know you have your healthcare and you have your children's education taken care of for you. And in the U.S., it's really every man for himself. And I feel like it's my job to warn you. You're like, man, dude, there's an iceberg right ahead. (laughs) Shift. No, I don't see anything. It's sunny weather outside. (laughs) Think we're good. Let's just keep going. Stick to the plan, conk. We have a lot of work we want to do this year. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things we have in mind and we're trying to figure out like, okay, well, we don't want the caravan to get in the way of that either. That's what I do, you know, I just throw options on the table. Even if I'm not even sure I like them myself, I just want to make sure that we have thought of everything and that we're continuing to think of everything. In that way, we're both opportunists. We're both looking for what the world is serving up and how we can relate with it in a way that creates the best outcome. Hey everyone. Hey there. We just wanted to pop in before today's episode to kind of celebrate that we just made it officially into the double digits. Yeah, we're on episode 11. Yes. We never thought we'd get there. (laughs) (laughs) But, But here we are. And maybe more than just celebrate how far we've gone, but I think that's really, we really want to celebrate who's come along the journey with us, yeah. which has been amazing. This podcast is growing a lot faster than we ever expected. And one of the things that has touched me the most is how many of you have reached out to tell us that you've enjoyed the conversation and it feels like a conversation with friends. And I think this kind of gets to the heart of what we hoped we might do on this podcast. And what I hope we'll continue to do is that it will be a conversation and that you as a listener will consider yourself a friend at the table with us. Yes, for sure. Uh, we, we love hearing from all of you. And I think what I've loved hearing the most is how what we're talking about relates or doesn't relate to your own life. Yeah. How, where it touches you and where your experience comes into it. Yeah. It's been really, really rewarding to read responses from people that have, they've started to share a little bit of their lives mm-hmm. in, in, in response to, to this podcast. And, and I think that really gets at what it is. is this is a conversation, and, and as a listener, we'd like to invite you to be a part of it. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. Um, you can comment. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. You can comment on the website. You can email us. Or it, you don't even have to include us. You can share it with other people and talk with them about these ideas. And uh, we hope you'll keep doing that. Now on to the show. On to the show. Hey everyone. Hello. Welcome to a brand new episode. And in this one, we're talking about 2019. Yeah, we're talking about questions we have, the vague ideas we have, the uncertainty of it all. This one's very much an exploration about what 2019 might hold, some of the things we hope it might hold, some of the things we hope it doesn't hold. So without further ado, why don't we get into it? Well, let's get into it. Bonjour, Julie Roxanne. (laughs) (laughs) Bonjour, Alistair. 
How are you? Ça va? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alistair's becoming more French by the day. Yes. It's impressive. Yeah. yeah. Lentement. 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 Yes. Slowly. Yeah. So, what are we here talking about this week? We are talking about what we should have talked last week, which is the uncertainty of 2019. Yeah. So, last week we talked about a little bit about dealing with the uncertainty, kind of grappling with that, that tension. And we talked about a depression or kind of a funk that I've been going through mm-hmm. for the past th- few weeks. And we shared our views on that and how we could create space for that. And, and, yeah. and it turned into a, its own episode. Yeah. So we thought we'd split it. So if you haven't listened to that, that's a good part one to this conversation. It'll give you some context. And uh, But this one, we're going to talk a little bit more about what is in front of us. Mm-hmm. And that is pretty freaking uncertain too, <laughs> which is what's really hard. So we're going to get into that. Yeah. And... Both these last two episodes, have, or this episode and the previous one, are both results of another episode we did, which is our annual review. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a good time to just stress the, the value of making space to deal with these things, to work through them, to explore them, to struggle, to reimagine, to be creative about our lives. And and, uh, and and really think about how we want to respond to them. Mm-hmm. And the annual review process is very much what's given us the space to have the conversation we had last week and also the conversation we're going to have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just feel like I need to plug that episode again and just say, hey, whether you listen to it or not, finding some time in your life, whether it be weekly, month, well, some time to do long-term reviews, so mm-hmm. quarterly or yearly. I tend to do one every year. is really valuable, yeah. and it leads, although it's a lot of work and it takes time, I really don't think it can be shortcut. I, I, I don't think there's a shortcut for this. And, no. You yeah. know, there's, there's things that are urgent and there's things that are important. This is one of those important things. Yeah. That's my, uh, that's my elevator pitch on doing a yearly review. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> thank Good you. One. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. So we've talked about the engagement on a couple episodes, and I, I'm not going to linger on it here, but there is one aspect of it we haven't talked about that I'm noticing that has been interesting when thinking about the future, which is that you're in it now. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, struck, like, this is, this is, I know it's, it's, uh, it's kind of silly to say, but for a while now, I've been thinking about my future, and it's been pretty uncertain, pretty unknown. It's basically a big question mark Mm -hmm. when i think future there's a big question mark in front of me yeah but now it's slightly different because whereas it used to be completely uncertain i now have a fairly high level of certainty that you're going to be in it Mm. and that's really changed how it feels in Mm. a way because it's not so uncertain at least one part of it isn't yeah that you're there there's something in it that that like i can kind of you know plan on yeah and I'm pretty surprised, actually, how fast that shifted after our engagement, mm. where I started realizing, like, oh, it's no longer me, it's us. In, in a way that even though we've been living together for two years and doing everything together and really thinking as a team. And we were already thinking about the future together. Yeah, like, yeah. this is not new, it's, but yeah. yet there's, like, a There step was no surprise that we were going to get engaged. Or, like, like, although maybe there was a bit 
about when it happened, mm -hmm. the way we were thinking about it, we had talked about a lot. So that wasn't a surprise. We were already committed to one another. Yeah. But it's definitely been interesting to see how that taking that step has, yeah, changed things. So that's probably the the one thing that's nice is a little less uncertainty in that, in that area. But it does add some, and I'm not sure this is the best word because it has a connotation, but it adds some heaviness. There's some weight, some, well, it feels it, serious. Like, now. you know, if, if you if you describe your future as like this landscape where before, before there wasn't even a landscape, there was just a question mark. If now there is a landscape with me in it, then all of a sudden... I highlight everything that there isn't in it. You know, it's like that, it's a kind of that contrast of mm -hmm. like, oh man, there's one thing, but there's not all the other things that I was taught should come with having a partner or, you know, maybe maybe that has something to do with it. I think there's also a sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can't help, but, you know, very much I'm, I'm a product of my culture and I saw my dad provide for our family. You know, my mom was a ballet teacher and... She worked, but it didn't it didn't bring in a lot of income for the family. My mm -hmm. dad was mainly the main breadwinner and my mom took care of the family. And as much as like and I know you have a very kind of different view, you've always been like, Hey, it's not just you. We're doing this together and also in France and we don't really know where we're gonna end up. Mm -hmm. And that's something we'll talk about. But for example, if we were to end up in France, things are very different. Life in some ways is much I want to say I, I'm gonna say safer or like there's a there's a quality that there's something that happens when you have when you know you have your healthcare and you have your children's education taken care of for you and in the U.S. it's really every man for himself mm -hmm. and like if you aren't able to provide it that's your fault you did yeah. something wrong mm. you know and it's so different in Europe and I think this is so great. Because when when we're thinking about like, oh, in the future, do we want to have a family or whatnot? I'm still thinking from the American lens where it's like, okay, family, that's big bucks. Mm -hmm. That means call it like education. I went to private school half my life and then there's health insurance. None of these things are free. They're in fact, they're extraordinarily expensive. Mm -hmm. And they've only, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but over the last 10, 20 years, both of those have skyrocketed in cost in the mm -hmm. US. Yeah. So there's this real risk thing going on where it's like, oh God, I better... You know, I, I need to be pulling in six figures yeah. and I need to be doing that for a long time. And then that's not even thinking about retirement. And that's another place that the U.S. doesn't do very well for you if you stumble. And you're coming from a very different background. Yeah, this. I can't really. Every time you every time you talk about those things, it's like I can't really fathom what you're like. I can't understand on a conceptual level what you're talking about, but I don't know what it feels like to to not be able to go to a hospital and just say, hey, I'm sick take care of me without having to show them money. You know, like, that. it's not a problem that I have money or that I don't. I, I have a card that I show them, and they treat me. That's just how it works. There's a limit to, like, what I can get as treatment and stuff, but for anything emergency, it's going to be taken care of. Like, anything life-threatening, it's going to be taken care of by the government. And in contrast, when I'm in my country right now, because I mainly live outside the country, and I don't fit into a bucket that the government recognizes very well, or I haven't found it. So please, if you're listening to this and you're in a similar situation or know someone in it that's figured it out, please let me know because <laughs> I have, I've, I've spent a lot of time on it and have not figured it out. When I go back to the U.S., which is usually for a month, maybe a couple months per year, I am not insured at all. Yeah. And I can't find a way 
to be insured because because of the way the healthcare system works. I'm not there long enough to go through the system to mm. get healthcare. Yeah. But I am not able to be insured as a traveler coming to the U.S. because I'm a U.S. citizen, and they don't do they don't insure U.S. citizens traveling in the U.S. in that way. I fall into this really weird category. And I've talked to a lot of insur- like insurance companies, and I cannot find someone one who even understands yeah. my situation. And I can't find coverage other than some very low-grade, very expensive coverage that really isn't going to cover you for much and is going to cost you a ton while you're there. Mm. And, yeah, it's hard because you have this idea. It's like, oh, well, raising a family is not that expensive. And I come from this, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's the most expensive thing. And and I can't get my head around. I, it's really hard to make the switch. Like, you know, I mean, if we have a family at this point, the best investment possibly in my life would be to learn French and live in France for that one reason is that like healthcare to a certain extent and education to a certain extent but both of them a lot are covered by the French system and but it's still like is this a is this a trick like like I can't I don't want to I can't believe it you know it's like is this really gonna work out I'm gonna get hung to dry in some way I can't see yeah yeah and I think for anyone in the U.S. And I think this is one of the benefits of traveling in in Western Europe, particularly. It's even England or the UK does so much better than us when it comes to healthcare, and obviously Canada t- does too. Uh, but much of Western Europe, and it just blows my mind how far behind we are in the U.S. And when you see, like, I'm just starting to get a taste of what quality of life that brings when you have these basic things covered. Uh, just, just mentally. Yeah, it's it's a mental. You can do things. You, you know, you you know, like it's not an incentive to slack off. It's just a base that you're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna push you out of the tribe and leave you like dying on the rocks. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't feel that way in the U.S. I feel very much like you know every man for himself, yeah. basically, and it's it's terrible. Yeah, and I wonder if yeah, I think that's probably the the main thing that got triggered for you around the engagement was like this all suddenly it's oh my god i'm every man for himself like this is this it's my turn it's my it's my battle now i have to provide i have to stand alone which is freaky because right now we're not pulling in an income we're both traveling off our savings and although that's starting to change yeah it is uh, and it has we've seen we've seen that changing over the last year we both did make income last year but it was not enough to cover our expenses which are fairly low so it's still it's still mentally stressful to think about that when, you know, it's hard not to use my dad as a model. And my dad raised me in the Bay Area. I went to private school. I had my education paid for. And I am so grateful for my dad because one of his philosophies, and he did it for two children, while losing a job in the middle of the Great Recession, and I find it very heroic, was that he put us through school with no debt we came out we had an education and we had no debt and that has been fundamental to anything i've been able to do in life and i really really appreciate that and in the u.s system and living in california there it's very hard to do that these days and so my model of life i'm having to change that because if i'm going to do it in the u in california i have to work a high-paying job and i've done that before i know how that feels but I have to be in that kind of pressure cooker system mm-hmm. to, and, and then it's still inherently unsafe and uncertain, like much more unsafe and uncertain than I think most people think in mm-hmm. that system. Mm-hmm. It is very precarious. 
and and I, I I'm having a hard time getting out of that mentality. Well, it takes a lot of work for each and every one of us to get rid of our conditionings. I think like we we. And it's even harder to notice where there is conditioning. So I think you're you're doing a lot. I'm not even convinced, 100% sure that I'm not going back. You know, at some point. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. And so yeah. it's hard. Um, but anyway, I don't know. I don't know how we how we went down this this rabbit hole. <laughs> this is this is not in the show plan. <laughs> it's a good tangent. I think it's valuable. I think it explains a bit more where you were coming from when you said that there might have been kind of a heaviness or a weight to realizing we were engaged and that all of a sudden you might need to be this ideal like man of the family who sacrifices sacrifices himself for the good of the family and works and I think it's a viable path but and some people do it great my dad did it very well and, and uh, I think he enjoyed doing it that way and we definitely appreciated it but I just it's I have a very hard time seeing it as my path. It feels very constrictive for me. And so that's what I'm struggling with. And and, and uh, it took me a while to separate that and realize like, okay, well, my dad's path doesn't have to be my path and my path can be different, but that makes it hard because mm-hmm. uh, our fathers are oftentimes our, our, our models mm-hmm. and our number one heroes, yeah. you know? And so um, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that kind of kick-started the uncertainty of 2019 or like really made us realize that what well, we were getting into really uncharted territories was we had a few talks, a few conversations over the holidays when we went for walks. And I remember the first one, I was like, we went for a walk and I had been churning on things. I'm usually faster at like picking up things and coming up with solutions and very that's like I'm over flexible like almost like over responsive I think yeah, over responsive <laughs> yes yes so there's 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 good things and bad things into that and uh, I had been thinking about the kind of 2019 year I wanted and also how that would set us up for a certain kind of life where we could be setting pretty solid foundation we have been setting foundations and we can be if we continue that way like 2019 can be a model for the next few years if that works out and i was thinking to myself that i miss asia a lot and so i was like a crazy person trying to come up with all the solutions that i could to to make that happen and how that how that would work even though the the year was so uncertain i was just like okay we need to figure out a way to to do that and while i have a similar desire i've been missing asia quite a bit as much it kind of came out of nowhere when when you started talking about this and then all of a sudden you were going through these like well maybe we could do this or we could do that and it came really rapid fire Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it felt like we were changing direction and that was tough for me because we had kind of at least I, I had a vision about where we were going and what we wanted to do. And I had some also emotional attachments. For example, this caravan that we built, I love. It's it's beautiful. I love living in it. And as we'll talk about in a little while, we've, we've, we're wondering, okay, what do we do with this thing? Mm-hmm. And you were wondering that out loud. And you tend to be a bellwether for... It's tough because sometimes you are overreacting <laughs> if i may say it yeah. so but many times you're actually just more sensitive to things that are happening than i am mm-hmm. and so sometimes it's 
I, I always listen when you're doing this because I know a lot of times that you're just more sensitive in some areas and that what you're sensing is actually a sign that the storms are coming or, yeah. you know, the, the weather's going to change. And yeah. we actually have a metaphor around this that we, we've been thinking about lately, which is you're kind of more like a sailboat and I'm a bit more like a cruise liner. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is that, you know, you tend to, you, you're able to change direction pretty quickly, whereas I'm steaming along and it takes me a while and I tend to go in wide arcs yeah. when, when I turn, whereas you can zip and just all of a sudden you're going the other direction. And there's a benefit to that. The other thing, the other side of this, though, is that uh, in stormier weather or when the weather changes, you can get thrown around by the waves a little bit more as a sailboat. And sometimes I can steam through that. Yeah. Um, and, and it not affect me. Yeah. And so, you know, a storm that might sink you in a way won't really affect my direction or my momentum. But on the other hand, what tends to sink me might be an iceberg dead ahead that, that I just see. don't see yeah, and I go just, straight into. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there, there's benefits <laughs> of both. Neither, it's not a good or bad thing. It's just, I tend to be this way. You tend to be that way. I think it's a great duo. It's a great combo it for is. a team. It is. So it just, it implies that it happens fairly often that we have conversations where I tell you something that feels super true and super like happening tomorrow and you're like completely oblivious. Like what? Like I didn't, you know, like very. Or I'm still trying to fight for how things were. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And sometimes that's the right, that's the right thing. Yes. Uh, and I, I think there's a frustration I can feel around that where it's like, why are we changing strategy we talked about this yeah let's you know full steam ahead we just need to put our heads down and go for this yeah it's just i'm very sensitive to what happens outside of us too and and so i'm able to sometimes come to conclusions sometimes i'm wrong but a lot of the time i'm actually right and i come up i come to conclusions that you would not have seen coming at all and i feel like it's my job to warn you you're like man dude there's an iceberg right ahead <laughs> shift and like, no i don't no, see anything it's sunny weather outside <laughs> i think we're good let's just keep going stick to the plan conk <laughs> yeah so yeah. so it's it's been a great thing to navigate if i may say that uh with <laughs> you to be like to be both like that and you have taught me how to have more faith in my intuitions. I used to be in relationships where the common theme was I would go and say, oh, I spared right ahead. And the person would be like, no, what are you talking about? Just get out. And and there was no space for that to be listened and uh, to be heard. And then we'd, we'd hit the, the iceberg together. Um, and that's frustrating for another reason, which is like you saw it and you still hit it. Exactly. And... Uh, yeah, so... We've done a little bit of that last year. A little bit of you seeing it and then us hitting it. Yeah. And I think bit. that's a bit where I, I'm learning to... It's it's. I think it's tricky because it means, you know, it takes energy to kind of always be uh, yeah. checking the levels and, and, and paying attention to the weather. And too much of that is, is, is also not helpful. Yeah. And so it's been... I think we're getting better at it and recognizing between each other when we're in those modes. Like, I'm better at recognizing. It's like, okay, well, I should probably listen to this. Mm. And part of the way we do that is, like, uh, we kind of argue it. Not mm -hmm. in a, we're not, argue, not in a violent way or whatnot, although it can get very passionate. But it's usually 
always idea based and based on what's happening. Yeah. And so we really kind of push each other to like if you're gonna say that and you're making that observation, what are you basing it on? And yeah. and really and I think this might be an approach that is more comfortable for me. It's very <laughs> complicated for me because the data I'm gathering through my senses and this, the conclusions I come to are very intuitive. So even though I know they're true and they they often are, I can't really rationally explain them. Whereas the cruise liner wants me to give a detailed report of why I'm saying yeah, there's an iceberg. And exactly. And I, I used to find it extremely anxiety provoking when you st when you did that in the beginning and i was like why he's okay well he doesn't want to listen to me and and now i realize that you actually need to probe things more to figure out what works and what doesn't so i've i'm i've definitely i've gotten better at giving you the answers even though it's it's hard for me but there's also you know dead reckoning that comes from I, i'm not sure if it comes from but it's definitely used in the sailing world dead reckoning being uh you kind of you know looking at the different charts or the flow of the water and having to make a guess yeah. about where you're going yeah 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 and i think when we're talking about your intuition we're talking about dead reckoning and that's also valuable and learning to i think i've also had to shift although i'm also very intuitive myself Listening to someone else's intuitions when they don't come from you can be hard. Yes. And it's been a, a, a bit of a challenge over the last year, but it's been very beneficial to trust some of your dead reckoning and it and realizing uh, this is not enough. Sometimes, like, realizing that, okay, maybe she's not just crying wolf. Maybe I've overlooked something. And that's what happened when we had these conversations. Is you were saying these things and we had a, a couple conversations about them over the course of a few walks. And it really forced me to kind of look at some difficult truths and explore some things that I wasn't maybe ready to explore before. Mm -hmm. And I think the other part of the cruise liner sailboat metaphor, and then and then we can um, we'll sink it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the the other part of it is that the way this shows up in moods, there seems to be a relationship there, which is that I tend to. You know, on the last episode, we talked about kind of a funk I've been going through for the for a few weeks, and they tend to be long and drawn out yeah. for me. Whereas your uh, moods are a bit different. Oh yeah, they're like super fast and like gone. They're like I can get in funks, but it's it. Uh, my mood is changing a lot throughout the day, and I can like be be full of rage for an hour in the morning, and then crying early in the afternoon, and absolutely positive about life like around dinner time, and and that's not even counting everything that's in between. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I I, I like it. I, I don't mind it. I think it's very alive, but it's very different than what you experience. So one of the things that's making 2019 uncertain for us is Brexit. Oh, Brexit. Yeah. I'm <laughs> really pissed off. God. This is The UK. Is stupid. Get it together. I can't really even say that as an American, you know? Yeah, but, I know. Just, yeah, let's ah, not geez. say anything, but let's no. rec recognize we're unhappy about it. Yeah. It's so it's, it, for me, Brexit has really devalued my passport. So I am living in France on my British passport, which gives me the freedom to live here, the freedom to work here, the freedom to move around. And 
with the uh, looming Brexit, which is looking more and more like a hard Brexit, where there may be no deal in place before they leave, my right to live here will go away. And so then I will be under the Schengen visa uh, rules, which means that I can only live here for three months in a six-month period. That means that we're both not able at the moment to live in each other's country. And the naturalization process, we're still trying to figure it out being married. But one of the things that's hard about it is that a lot of times they want us to fit in a certain box and they want us to have adult jobs. Let's well, say. I th- adult jobs. <laughs> well, I think as, as, as my husband, you will, you will be able to stay in France. It's just, I think it's like, it's a year visa and you get the, you have to renew it every time. So it's like, it takes you three months to get it. And then three months before it ends, you have to get it again. So it's like a permanent, it's like yeah. something you have to think about it all the time. So that's a big uncertainty for our year. And basically a lot of our year is waiting to see how things play out at the moment. And we can't be sure of what we're going to do at all. And this is where it's going to be interesting to have the sailboat approach to things because we're going to have to react quick to whatever happens. And another part of the Brexit thing that is frustrating for us is that we're not really actually that keen on living in France. No. We're more thinking about, and this is something else that we're kind of thrown around thinking about, is we are interested in possibly living somewhere like Portugal, yeah, uh, which has a bit of a lower cost of living, and we both like the country, and we're flirting with the idea of buying land there. Yeah, and there's a lot of interesting pockets of expats doing kind of off-grid, eco-living kind of things, and the land is cheap, and the climate is pretty awesome. The ocean's not far away, good surf, there's mountains, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. So we're thinking about that seriously, but that's one of one of the things that we can't really act on because we need to let things pan out. Yeah, because we don't exactly know if we buy it at this moment, if I'll be able to live there. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to sort that out. And we're also just unsure if we're at this stage in our life. We're also, I think there's a little bit of fear of like, at least for me, there's a little bit of fear like, oh, what if we don't like it? What if we invest and then we get stuck there? What if it's not our jam? You, you know, like all the things before you make a commitment, basically. Yeah, I mean, the the what's attractive to me about it is the idea that we have a piece of land that is ours. Mm-hmm. And Portugal has some beautiful areas. And I like the culture. And we both want to have a base. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a place that really either of us see living full time. Yeah. We would like to have a base that we can travel in and out of that this caravan is served Mm -hmm. and having some land would give some more control about what we do there we have ideas about you know inviting people to to come stay with us hosting retreats things like this yeah and that's hard to do on someone else's land yeah and i think i've definitely like our experience of living on someone else's land this year has been it's been hard and it's it's brought up some difficult struggles and this has helped me realize how sensitive I am to other people's energy and how like that is just an energy that I can't like I can't seem to not spend it it's something I do whether I like it or not and this is one of the things we were talking about on these walks was I I need to be somewhere where I know that I'm not gonna have to answer to someone's 
rules or or ideas because it's their land it's like wanting to have a pocket of nature that's ours to manage and to use as we see fit yeah and i think this partly comes from the uncertainty of our new neighbors i mean we've had one experience with the caravan this year and there's been positives to it but there's also been pretty heavy negatives to it and it led if if you haven't heard it you can listen to the first episode we recorded episode one dealing with one of those negatives which was being asked to leave and that was pretty hard and i think we're both you know i i kind of wonder is like how much is that experience coloring coloring our you know our our feelings about this and this is another place to think you're right we have to let it play out a little bit and see like with our new neighbors how different it is and and i'm optimistic it's going to be very different and that the negatives can also be positives that like you know if we surround ourselves with people that are more in line with what we want to do long term, it could actually be much more beneficial than having not. But that's kind of yet to see. And we're not really sure. And we're not really sure about, you know, while I think we've been pretty clear so far with our our kind of new landlords, if you Mm -hmm. want to call it, it's really open-ended. It's kind of like, hey, let's try it out, see if it works. So there's no real timeline. We don't know how long, I mean, at any point, they could say, hey, like, we're done with this. And uh, and not like, I don't think they would kick us out, like, violently no. or anything. But it would still be, it's still an unknown. It's like, how long is this going to last? And I think this is one of the main reasons I approached you and started talking to you and did my, my freak out, sayable kind of thing. Like, asking all the options, like, presenting all new options. It's because we don't know. And if there's something I don't want to happen is I don't want to be caught in, in a situation where I haven't thought of a backup plan or something. I haven't explored an idea that could be like, okay, well, if this happens, we can do this. And it's kind of a way to like pad uncertainty. Although I might never use any of these options. Yeah, you don't want to get caught with your pants down. Exactly. That's weird. I didn't know this saying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so, yeah, I think for me, there's a, there's a, I think I'm very optimistic about our new neighbors, our new landlords. But at the same time, I'm also kind of wary of going into a new relationship like that. And, and also there's an aspect that's important to keep in mind is that I'm the French speaker at the moment. Although, Alistair, you're making a lot of progress. Merci. Merci. Um, I so I am like I am invested in the role of the person who communicates, the person who picks up all the things that are not said, because that is main. That is the main thing. That's that's like ninety percent of human communication is what is not being said. Sadly, because a lot of people don't know how to communicate very well. And we can believe you because you are a hypnotist oh well I'm a hypnotist uh, well yeah i am i'm 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 a tr- trained hypnotherapist so i think this is part of the reason why i can't not pick up on people's nonverbal communication it's true it does put a lot of stress on you i think to be the only one the only one kind of checking the weather yes. and having to always be relying on your ability to do that and two being the main person that has to communicate yes. both what we're thinking and what we're saying, but also what translate they, it yeah, back to yeah, me yeah. because there's always going to be some discrepancy there and some misunderstanding and you are the one that has to manage that. Yeah. And it's Because difficult. when I translate what they say to you, how do I translate the nonverbal? 
it's hard because sometimes I'm not even able to form it into words. So that's that's a that is something that is scary and also exciting, I guess, to some extent, about this new living arrangement. And I'm gonna take it one day at a time and try to pay really close attention to how it makes me feel because I do not want most of my mental energy to go to that. I, I, we have a lot of projects this year that are more important for, for me than that. And so I think, yeah, we'll just, once again, going to have to wait and see. Another thing about living with someone in, in these kind of communal arrangements is that it's a give and take, you know, and it's not always 100% clear what you're giving and what you're taking. And I think we're both a bit intimidated to start this process over again and figure out what that give and take is. It's, it's, it's a relationship and it takes some time to feel out and that takes energy too. And I think we feel very in, in line with our new neighbors mm -hmm. and that's the only reason we're willing to do this again. Mm -hmm. But you never totally know and, and you have to, it's only something, you can only figure out so much before you actually do it, right? And, yeah. And, uh, it takes some energy in figuring out. So it's, it's a place of uncertainty. There is some stress or anxiety around that. It's like, okay, well, how will these relationships be? What, you know, what do we need to do and all this? And I think there's a lot of benefit from this, but it's just, uh, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. And I think even though this year has been complicated with, I mean, last year has been complicated with our living situation and this is probably coloring like sort of the fears that I can have around the next one it's also been just a crash course in setting boundaries and being aware of when it's my job and when it's their job and you know like I've ha I've I have a much better understanding of what's mine to take care of and what are my own boundaries as a human being or like I don't know how to explain that but I have a better understanding of me than I had before we came here. So that's why it's, I think, valuable to go through these experiences because they're hard, they demand a lot, but they're also, for me, they're very much in line with the type of work that I want to do on myself right now. So it's 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 beneficial. And they're really powerful when you get them right. Yes. I mean, it's easy to focus on the times they don't go right. We've all had those just implosions in our life right with a with a person or a group where it just didn't work out and it ended up being traumatic yeah but i think sometimes we discount the good times and how much a certain relationship with someone helps us grow and really takes us to a place we couldn't couldn't have gone or couldn't on imagine of going on our own yeah. and that's hard to measure and while it can be easy to see the risk of a new relationship it's not always so easy to anticipate the reward that it may bring for both sides and you know it's it's that common classic human tendency that it's easy to see what we might lose it's hard to see what we might gain that we don't already have yeah so it, it's tough oh and i think it's it's with all these things in mind that one of the main things we talked about in in our talks on walks was uh talks on walks I like <laughs> was the idea the option of maybe having to sell the caravan yeah and i think the reason i came to exploring that option was i was looking at the year to come and asking myself what i want in this year what do i want what are my desires what are my needs and uh, 
I was, I think I was getting, I was getting, and I still am to some extent, really freaked out about owning something that is just something we have to take care of and we have to maintain and we have to know where we can put it, where we can store it when we're not here. It conflicts with my desires for total freedom and, and like at least freedom in roaming around and, and being like places. The conversations we had on our walks, I think, helps me get that out of my system a little bit. And ever since I came back to the caravan, I'm like, we're going to do whatever it takes to keep this thing because it's beautiful and I love it and it's our home. But I still wanted both of us to have that on our on our mind that we might need to sell it at some point and we should stay open to the idea of selling it if it doesn't align with what we want yeah and and not become aligned with it just because we're attached to it exactly and that was hard because i'm pretty attached to it yeah that's fair (laughs) i love this place too it's just i wanted to make sure that I wanted to make sure that we keep asking our, ourselves that same question, which is, is it serving the purpose that we want it to have? Or is it just weighing us down somewhere? You know, like that, that was the, and maybe, maybe the answer is yes to both those questions. You know, maybe there's no, there's, you can't have it both ways, but I think it just wanted it to be on our, on the table yeah. that it was possible and that we should think about it. Yeah. Everything we own ends up having some sort of influence on us. Mm-hmm. And it can drag. Uh, it can also serve us. It can be a platform and kind of, you know, like, for example, the tools we're using to record this podcast. We recently got a recorder, which is really nice. And we've got some new XLR mics. And those are helping us. They, they kind of put us on, they, they help us do what we want to do. But they can also become kind of risk factors if we're traveling around and we're worried all the time about, you know, breaking them or losing them or having them stolen, there can be a negative impact. And I think everything has some sort of mental gravity to it. You know, like even we have to make space for it Mm -hmm. in our our worlds. And with the caravan, there's a very physical aspect of that. For example, just last night, we, it was Sunday night. We were supposed to have like, I was looking forward to a nice few hours of doing nothing because it's been a while since we we had just gotten back from a trip to the other side of France and like we had had no real time to relax and yeah. we had spent the whole morning working and you said, oh, well, let's just, we, we got a new cotton futon recently because we were having back pains with, with our old mattress. So we got a new one and it's great. It's awesome. And we need to flip it every so often because it's made of cotton and it and it needs to breathe. And it also needs to settle the right way on the slats underneath. So we had to flip it last night. And one of the most difficult things about living in the caravan is the moisture aspect and mold in particular. And when we flipped it, we found already uh, that there we had just flipped it last week and there was mold on the bottom of the bottom of the mattress. It's painful. Yeah. And that led to a big thing because then we had to figure out, okay, why that already happened? And we realized, you know... The pallets that were holding it didn't have enough airway. Then I looked at the wall and I noticed some moisture coming out of one of the holes in the wall. So we had to take the wall off. And then we noticed mold under, behind the wall. Had to dry that. Had to treat everything, clean it, dry it. it turned out being like three hours of, yeah. of me treating mold and, and work. Because you have to deal with that stuff as soon as it comes up. And, you know, that's like, that is some of 
the maintenance. Yeah, the, yeah. The, even a caravan, and I'm sure anyone who owns a house is probably laughing at me because, yeah, <laughs> you know, but even owning a caravan comes with a more maintenance than I really expected. And it's okay. I, I think we get a lot of value out of this place. I love it right now. It's great. But uh, you do have to ask, and we are in the privileged position of asking because it is a caravan and, you know, it's fairly mobile. We're not stuck to this. Uh, like you said, we could sell it um, if it's still serving our needs because it does take a fair amount of energy to keep up. And so it's actually funny <laughs> that with this in mind, with what you just said, one of the big things we're contemplating for the first part of this year is buying something else. <laughs> well, that's one of the things we're concerned about, right? With the with with Portugal and the idea of buying land is like, is this a is this a dream? Is this an ideal that can't really be fulfilled? You know, is this just like, is this just that like that? Uh, I just want to go live on a land and be free and run around naked in the fields and like, or or is there some reality to it? Is there a way that that would work? Mm -hmm. And. It's. I think it's hard to see all the implications of it, right? Like with the caravan, I couldn't imagine all the things that would go into building the caravan. If I had, I probably never would have got one. I'm glad I didn't because it's been worth it. Yeah. But it's hard. And I think one of the things we're also worried about with the land, the idea of buying land, is we, our, our kind of grand vision is to have a base somewhere where we can rest and work and that we kind of travel in and out of, to have a home, but yes. a, a temporary home, a home that doesn't cost much. We don't want to sink a bunch of money into a home right now. And also a home that doesn't require too much of us in order to maintain. We're fairly simple and we're okay living, living in a fairly simple way to give us the time, the energy, and the resources to do things that right now are more important to us. And one of the concerns with the land, which kind of feels like more freedom, is that that might be that might be false. It might actually be a catch, you know. Yeah, but I think it's that. I think it's just two sides of the same coin. You know, it's like there is to some extent more freedom, but there is also more responsibility, and and then it just keeps going. It just keeps growing. It's like this caravan. To some extent, we we bought it because we wanted more freedom. And it hasn't given us as much freedom as we thought it was going to give, but also because of the situation. And But I, I don't know. It, it's just like as soon as you want to root down a little bit, then you become responsible. I would, I would argue that, that it hasn't given us as much freedom because we've traveled for three months over to the U.S. in the middle of the summer. We've made trips since. We went to England for a month. I think it's given us an extraordinary amount of freedom. And it's also worth thinking... It's given us a different plane of freedom because yes. because we've now have a certain freedom to move around and yes there's things we have to think about with the caravan and yes right now we are dealing with like kind of a fundamental crisis which is like where the caravan is parked which we thought we had sorted out and yeah. now we don't so that's tough but it's giving us the freedom to work and live on our terms in the West. And that's insane. I mean, looking at our finances over the last few months, we've spent as much or less money than when we were living in Asia. Yeah. But we are living in the West with all the amenities of the West. That is a massive accomplishment, I think. That's true. And it's given us the freedom to do things like this podcast and to organize the retreats we're working on. So in a lot of ways, I think this caravan has given us a lot more freedom than we had before we had a place to 
to work out of. And I think the question is, will Lamb do the same thing for us? Because, I mean, we're not, this isn't our first rodeo now. We know that it's going to come with a lot of hidden strings. It's also a bigger investment. Mm-hmm. And there's more things we don't know about it, potentially, than a caravan, which is a bit of an easier project. And But I think one thing that I'm particularly worried about with the land project is, do we end up, neither of us really want to do a back to the land thing. And what I mean by that is, like, we're not going there to start a sustainable farm and just live there and isolate ourselves from the world. Mm-hmm. We want to use it as a base, as a kind of a platform for being in the world, for our work uh, in between travels. We want to start bringing people there, too. And so I think I'm definitely concerned the, about it isolating us and the responsibilities of it making us tied to it. And us ending up on a plot of land somewhere in Portugal and just kind of disappearing. And because I don't think that's what either of us want. Mm. And so one of my major concerns is like, are we going to end up really isolated? And can we do this in a way that is going to serve our other goals, which are very oriented toward working with other people and traveling and, and being involved. It's, it's, we're not looking for an isolationist strategy but I do think you and I have both been very influenced by Gary Snyder particularly, but other thinkers in this area too, but Gary Snyder's kind of musings on the wild and the idea of like living more harmoniously with our natural environment. Yeah. Uh, and we've already seen that with the caravan, that yeah. living here and living in the woods has brought us into some of the other rhythms of life and has made us aware of some of the ways we're living that never could happen in a city. Yeah. It's brought us a certain natural consciousness. I don't I don't know what to call it, but it's been very beneficial. I love the fact that I can work on things that are t- difficult, distressing, emotionally challenging and then step outside into the forest and kind of be recharged and regenerated by that. And there's so many lessons I'm taking out of it and one of the things the caravan has taught me, if nothing else, even if we sell it, is that I want to live closer and in deeper connection with the land that I'm on. Yeah, yeah, same, same, completely same. And I totally hear those fears of like, are we going to get stuck? I don't have an answer. And I know that to some, to some extent, I want to say it will be what we make of it, but... <laughs> Is that just fooling myself? I don't know. Uh, but I think I think things are what we try to make of it. We know we want a hub. We know we want a hub in nature. And there's a bunch of other things we know. We know we want it to be a hub and not like our permanent, permanent, all-year resi- residence. That we want to move around and be free and stuff. And yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's a, it's tough. I don't know. I don't know. I hear I hear that. I hear your questions. I think one of the things is just making sure we do our due diligence, right? That we don't just jump yeah. jump into it without like with the idea like oh it's going to be like this and like oh no it's actually like this. Yeah. And so it's like okay, well how do we start exploring if that is actually right for us? Because when we were in Portugal in the beginning of 2018, we lived in a few modes of life that we realized were not for us. Yeah. Although we also noticed parts of it that we really appreciated, 
we noticed major parts of it that we didn't want to have. And that was instructive and helpful in figuring out it actually led to us buying the caravan and doing what we're doing. Yeah. And so I think we're kind of thinking like, okay, well, maybe can we do that again? How, how do we do that? And it's kind of leading to this idea of maybe we trade in the car we bought for a camper van or something where we can kind of roam a little bit in Portugal. Yeah. And, and you know, one of our ideas was like, hey, let's go back. Working, uh, so we volunteered last year through WorkAway a couple times. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's really, really valuable about that type of arrangement is that you're working with people that live there and you get all sorts of inside information. Uh, you learn all sorts of things that you wouldn't know unless you lived there. And because you're working for people, that tends to open up those channels. Like you tend to learn those things because you're working with them and there's a good rapport that happens there. And so we're kind of wondering like, hey, maybe if that's seriously what we want to do, like one, obviously we should go to the areas that we're interested in and make sure that, you know, we really know what we're in for. But two, we should probably go spend a little bit more time with people doing this to one, see how their everyday life is to figure out, you know, how do they get into it? And, you know, some of the do's and don'ts about going toward what is a very different life model. But going back to when the suggestions that you've had that have been kind of hard is selling the caravan because, man, we just built this thing and it's so great and it's designed for us and we love being here. And every time I get back here, I'm just like, yes, this feels great. But we have seriously explored that and there's a couple of reasons for it. While we hope this caravan will be an asset for us and will reduce our living expenses and give us a place to rest, work and, and live in, in the West, there's also the liability side, right? Which right now is very obvious for us, which is like, we're not sure where we're going to park it. And if that continues to be a problem, it could be a liability more than an asset. And it could shape our behavior more than we're comfortable with. Mm. Where all of a sudden now we're like kind of living to serve this caravan and make sure it has a place and instead of it kind of doing the, yeah. the opposite. And so the question you asked is like, what if we sell it this year? And we go live in Asia and the cost of living in Asia is fairly low and we both are familiar with it and love it actually. And like, what if we go find like an apartment and, and, and live there for a while? And we've been exploring that idea because another big part of this is we have a lot of work we want to do this year. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things we have in mind and we're trying to figure out like, okay, well, we don't want the caravan to get in the way of that either. To a certain degree, with what we have planned for this year, we need to be flexible. We need to be able to move around. And maybe not having the caravan is a better way to do that. That's been a bit tough. I mean, we were just in a situation not that long ago where we wanted a home. And so for me, it's hard to think about not having one again. Even if you have a six-month lease in somewhere like Chiang Mai or Bali, it's not the same. Yeah. Um, there's not that feeling. There's nowhere to put your boots, you know. Yeah. There's nowhere for my books. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and uh, there's a certain ungroundedness. And I think that also comes through in how you relate to your environment, right? Like you're not as connected to the natural world or the people around you because everything's a bit more temporary. Yeah, and I think... When I did mention this idea of going to Asia and renting something for a longer term and stuff, 
that's what I do. You know, I just throw options on the table, even if I'm not even sure I like them myself. I just want to make sure that we have thought of everything and that we're continuing to think of everything. It would be a shame to limit ourselves because of... Yeah, it would be a shame to limit ourselves. Well, one thing that has been very true in my experience, especially when you get to the point where you're buying a caravan and living in the woods on someone else's land, is that you're really only limited by what you can dream up and yeah, imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes, there is an external component, right? You, but that I think in that way, we're both opportunists. We're both looking for what the world is serving up and how we can relate with it in a way that creates the best outcome. We're both looking how to be, it's like kind of like being a cook or, or a chef. You're trying to be creative with the ingredients you have. Yeah. And I've started to believe very strongly over the last few years is that really I'm most limited by my ability to imagine different possibilities and by my willingness or unwillingness to let go of other ones. Yeah. Yeah, and I think when you say, like, we're not going to have anywhere to put our books, I remember that this was one of the things. It's like, we, it's so nice to have a place where we can put our stuff when we leave and that we can find them again because there are stuff that I am attached to and that I like to have And so this is why I had explored the idea of, okay, maybe we sell the caravan and we buy like a van or, or uh, an RV, something small, but with a space to sleep at the back and space to store things. And we could park that somewhere when we go to Asia for six months at a time. And then when we do come back to Europe for family or for other reasons, Or if we end up deciding like, hey, let's buy that place in Portugal, then we will have a vehicle that, that has our things that we can use to move around. And so it's, yeah, there's just so many different ways and options that we can think about this. About this. And I'm glad that now we have all these options on the table, honestly. Yeah, it does feel like we have a few more ways we could go depending yeah. what shows up. Exactly. And I think, There's another aspect of this worth talking about here, which is there are a few things we do have in mind for this year. Yes. And so another part of figuring this out is like, how do we fit those things in? Like what lifestyles will allow for those things? Because I'm a big believer that, you know, one thing I saw when I was working at startups is that, especially in a startup scenario, especially when you're building the company and building the company culture, is that what you do starts to become the habits of that company. And if you say, no, I'm going to travel next year, or no, like right now the company's too important, so I can't take time off or whatever, over time, the company gets built around that habit. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes harder and harder to, to do change. those things. Yeah. It's not easier to do them later. It's never easy. And yeah. so if you want to do them, do them now and figure out how to make everything work while doing them yeah. and then you're going to design a company that allows you to do those things and i think well it's valuable for life period. yeah i think that's exactly it's very similar for life right yeah. it's not just for work and we're really trying to figure out okay here's the things that are important how do we do all these things like what is a model for for living or how are we going to live where there's space for all these things and what things aren't maybe as important maybe there are some things that like we can't have at all right so There are compromises to be made, but where are the priorities? How do we make sure those are met? And some of the priorities, I mean, for this year is that we need to be able to travel. We have already a couple trips in mind. 
We're going to Spain in, in a month or two, and we're going to Marseille to get married later this summer, and we'll be going to the U.S. to lead a retreat in Yosemite, and we want to be in Asia by the end of the year. Yeah. And those are kind of non-negotiables for us. Yeah, that's how I feel too. So we, whatever system we, it adds a level of complication to figuring this out. And I think these are all good problems, right? If if you if you're able to focus your time and energy on trying to figure out how to accommodate all these wonderful things, that's really great. Yeah. And uh, that's definitely a privilege, and I feel that way about it. It's a wonderful journey to try to piece everything, to try to craft a life around what is our what is important to us. It, it it is really nice. It does imply that we always have to wonder what is important to us right now, what is our priority, and trying to always ask that question because that can change too. And this is in that sense that it asks it asks us to be quite flexible because if we realize that our priorities have shifted, which they sometimes do, then we have to adjust. Yeah, and, and we have to get in tune with each other on that too. Yes, yes. Hence our our long walking talks. Yeah. Talking walks <laughs> <laughs> uh, in in England. Yeah. And one other component of this that we'll just brush on here, but we really won't go into too much, is work. Yeah. Uh, you and I are both feeling like we're coming into a working period of our lives. We're yeah. both feeling a lot more motivated to work. We did a lot of work at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. We launched this podcast. We organized a retreat that we're leading next year. And it looks like we're probably going to be doing a couple more in France and potentially India at the end of the year. I've picked up clients for... Yeah, you're starting... I... You've started to pick up clients. We you, you we found out that you're actually an ace podcast editor and producer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm getting, like, people asking about this a lot and I'm starting to... It's starting to work. So it's exciting. I feel very called to work. I just... I felt the shift since around november and then like slowly but then january it just felt like there was no turning back for me 2019 is the year where where we work and we start to create this business model for ourselves that fits us and that is also flexible enough that it can move around our priorities as they shift that's our hope it's a tall order but we have the time and the means to take a stab at it and see if we can't do it and I think it's worth the risk. I, there's a couple things that I'd like to get into more this year too. Is I'd like to start working more one-on-one with people, especially mm. around money, habits, lifestyle, and relationships. And I did a little bit of work with people last year. Yeah, and you've, like, I had coaching. some good feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I've actually just been approached the other day. I, I think I've picked up my first client for uh, working around money. And that kind of came out of the blue, but it's amazing because it's something that I feel really called to start doing and I would like to do a lot more of. So I'd like to start moving down that path this year. We're also thinking about, you know, on the back of this podcast, how can we offer things that will help based on, on some of the ways we're living? Yeah, like tools that we use and how, how do we make them available to other people? And and we've got some ideas. Yeah. We have some ideas for uh, courses we'd like to kind of lead and and share with people around things habits that have been extremely empowering in our lives. Yeah. One of them is money and how to save money. We're both traveling and living off of our savings. Yeah. Another one is our kind of annual review or how we go 
about reflecting on our life and getting clarity in our life. Mm-hmm. That's something that's been really powerful both of, for both of us. And another one is taking personal retreats, which is something we both do. We do a lot of retreats. Um, we're leading some this year. And I think we have a lot to say around that too. And mm-hmm. we'd like to start sharing that with others and start working with people on these things. And there's a lot there. There's a lot of work to do. And that's an important part of this year for us is creating space to start doing that work, trying it out, seeing what we can make of it. And I think that's been kind of one of the themes of this year is like, it's a year to start building. Yes. You know, and it's interesting because yesterday I was, while we were thinking about this episode in particular, I was thinking about the last five years of my life and I can really boil them down to really, really simple themes. And I'll start with 2015. That's when I left my work in the startup world and and really decided like, hey, I can't do this anymore. I broke off a a long-term relationship. I told my roommate I'm moving out. I sold all my things. And I left San Diego where I'd been living for 10 years. It was an intense year and it was all about letting go. The next year, I boarded a plane and I had no plans beyond, I got on a plane to the UK and I had no plans after that. And it took me all the way through Europe over land. I ended up in Nepal by the end of the year. And that year was a lot about going it alone. Just saying, all right, this isn't working for me. And doing my own thing and figuring that out for myself. The next year, 2017, was about meeting you, Julie Roxanne, and making space for that relationship and, and taking the risk to get into it in the first place and then exploring it and learning what it was about. We met in March in India and started traveling together. And we ended up having an amazing year where we traveled. We took a three-day train to Darjeeling. We stayed in Darjeeling for a month. We did some trekking there. We ended up doing a one-month trek across the Himalayas, which was one of the highlights of my life. It yeah. was incredible. Epic doesn't really... We lived in Kathmandu it. for a little while. We flew to Sri Lanka. We spent three months in Sri Lanka surfing and meditating and just enjoying island life. And we started after that, we came back to France and we started meeting each other's families. And that kind of led into 2018 for me, which was about kind of building the foundation and when I think about that it's like we introduced each other to all of our families Mm -hmm. like everyone we almost met everyone in each other's families uh, which was a major tour Mm -hmm. so it was really getting to know our roots and we built the caravan and so it was kind of like a a building a found setting a foundation and I really feel like we have something to build on now and I'm getting excited about that and that's really where this what it feels like this year is like all right what are you going to do with this Well, thank you so much for joining in for this conversation. Yes, thank you. No. <laughs> <laughs> no? Is that weird? No, yes, thank you. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> no, thank you, we really appreciate it. If you'd like to support this podcast, there's a few ways you can. We'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. It helps us get this podcast out to more people. Yeah. If you've enjoyed this episode and think it could benefit someone else, please share it. Yeah, that's another way that helps us grow, and we would be mighty grateful. (laughs) If you feel so inclined, we also have a donation 
page. Yeah, button. that's new. That's pretty new. Yeah. But uh, we do have a donation button, and it does work. We, wow. We, we know that now. So if you would like to make a donation and help us keep this podcast going, you can. Just visit thefaroutpodcast.com. And while you're there, you can see the show notes for this episode. And you can leave a comment if you so desire. Sounds nice. Another way you can reach out to us, and we'd love to hear your opinions about the show. It is one of the better parts of my day. Yeah. You can do that by emailing us at host at thefaroutpodcast.com. We promise we'll email you back. Oh, yeah, for sure. You might even get an email from each of us. Uh-huh. Yeah, geez, and it might be really long. So if you're not ready for that, don't email us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we said it all. I think that's it. Yeah. Until next time, then. Yeah, we'll see you here this time next week. Toodles. Toodles. <laughs>